0: All right, well, good morning. morning. Happy to be here with you for at least one last time, but you never know what the Lord has in store. Um, I think about all the years that I've been here, half a decade, um, and I just want to thank you for your support. Thank you for the people that have served alongside me during this time, whether it was youth group, Sunday school, VBS, or different various capacities. Today, I want to focus on the parable of the lost sheep. And I think Jesus shares a lot of wisdom through parables, um, a lot of wisdom and insight to who he is and what his thoughts are. And so today, I'm, I'm just going to dig right into that. Setting the context, we're looking in chapter 18, and these teachings are really for the disciples. These are for the people that are following Jesus saying, Yes. I believe in you, I resonate with you, and I'm willing to follow you. Now I'm going to do something a little different today. Um, Normally I start at the beginning of the passage. I'm actually going to start in the middle and we're going to come back to verse 10. So we're going to read verse 12 again. It says, What do you think if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the ninety-nine on the mountain and go in search of the one that went astray? You see, oftentimes we like to put ourselves in this place. We like to put ourselves as the one, the one that Jesus rescued, the one that Jesus pursued. And while I don't don't think that's wrong at all, sometimes we end up in church as the 99. If we're sitting here today, sometimes you resonate more a part of that. Now, it's not that God has forgotten you, right, because we know that God loves us and he cares for us but it does make us think what does it mean to be the one the one that God pursues because once you become the 99 right you're kind of resting in his salvation you're trusting that he saved you and rescued you so while this is exciting there's the one that God still wants 1 Timothy 2.4 says that God wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of his truth. And we should believe that as a Bible-believing church. But here's a thought for you. It's going to sound weird. If you haven't been lost, I hope that you are. If you haven't been lost before, I hope that you do become lost. Because we see the parallel in Luke chapter 15. I'm just going to read verse 7 for you. It says, I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. See, oftentimes we like to put ourselves in the righteous place in church. And we don't bring ourselves back to the cross continually To remind ourselves that we are broken and lost sinners just like everyone else. We end up forgetting our need for a Savior. Sometimes the danger, especially in church, is we tend to look down on people. We look down because of their struggles, what's going on in their family, or what you even see here at church. Maybe you start to even ask the question I'm not even sure if that person's a believer or a Christian. Maybe there's someone even in this room. Think about how you talk to that person, how you speak about that person. Do you have the same concern that Jesus shows us in this passage, that if you see them struggling and you see them not living like Christ, you pursue them, you show them love and grace in hopes of repentance? Repentance. Because the Bible's clear that we we are to inspect each other's fruit. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's about how you address people's actions sometimes. See, God's Spirit moves for people, for the lost sheep to come to Him. But sometimes we have to take a part of that process. We get to take a part of that process. We are blessed to take a part of that process. I want you to put yourself... For some of you, 20, 30, 40 years. Think about a younger you, a you without Jesus. What are the actions that you lived out, maybe that you're not so proud of? Because it doesn't matter if you grew up in church, it doesn't matter if you had a family that attended church, at one point you were lost. You had to meet Jesus at some point, as we all do. How did you meet Jesus? Was it through the faithfulness of your parents? The faithfulness of a friend? Hearing someone preach the word faithfully? Was it through a youth ministry, a youth group? Was it through a vacation Bible school? What was it and where was it that Jesus touched your heart? Because Jesus came for the lost. At some point you had to realize, I need a savior. And whether you've grown up in church or just started attending recently, no one comes into this world knowing God. No one comes into this world having a relationship with God. And the Bible is very clear. It talks about us being enemies of God. Romans 5.10 says, For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. So we were once enemies, but yet God pursues us. He reconciles and restores the relationship. Sometimes he pursues us using his people, the people in this very room. Matthew twenty-eight nineteen and 20, verses you should know very well. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So my first question for you today is, how are you allowing God to use you to reach the lost sheep? How are you taking a part of that process? Are you being like our great shepherd? How can I reach that one lost sheep that I might see? Now... Now let's take that one step further. Who is a young person that you can reach? See, oftentimes we get older and we disconnect from our teen and children' childhood years, so much so that we don't remember what it's like to be a teenager or a child. We get scared, we become fearful of people not like us or not in our age demographic. Verse 10, so going back to verse 10, it says, See that you do not despise one of these little ones. That language of despise, right? We are not to be a stumbling block for the younger generation. I'll give you some examples. So, adults, I got a bunch of teenagers sitting up here. Do you know their names? Do you know their passions? Do you know what makes them tick? Do you take an effort to know the details about their lives? Because church is more than coming and attending here on a Sunday. Church is a place to grow in knowledge and wisdom and faith. Learn about our savior. Take take care of each other's needs. But first and foremost, our spiritual needs. We all have spiritual needs. Church is a place to apply our knowledge and put it into action. Church, how are you involved in ministering to our children? And while we're all sitting here listening to this message, right? There are young kids in children's church. Do you take part in knowing those kids? Reaching those kids? Because many of them are lost sheep. They have yet to meet and experience Jesus. High schoolers, do you take an effort to know the middle schoolers? You're the closest age bracket to them, right? You most recently know what it's like to be a middle schooler in the year 2023. Oftentimes we become scared or annoyed of the younger generation. Or again, as Jesus puts it, despising. And we're supposed to look different as the church. Now, it's fair to see that this passage is talking about children, and oftentimes children can give us a different perspective, a humbler thought process behind things, because children and teenagers are both subject to adult supervision. They need adult provision, their needs of food, housing, and teaching. They have to live by faith every day, but they don't always realize it. Just assume that food is going to be there. They assume assume that there's going to be a shelter over their head. They have things to remind us of, of what faith looks like. And sometimes, as we get older, we end up with the attitude of Cain in Genesis 4. And we know that Cain murdered his brother. When God came to him and said, where's your brother? He says, what am I, my brother's keeper? Am I supposed to be the one attending and taking care of him? Well, the answer to that for us as believers is yes, we are to be attentive to our brothers and sisters. We are supposed to be looking out for their needs and their spiritual needs. You are to keep watch over them and guide them. The Bible has a lot to say on the younger generation. Pastor Mitch talked about Mary last week. Now She was likely anywhere from 12 to 16 years old when she gave birth. Here is a godly young lady that the Bible talks about who God chose to use. But I'm sure there was a heavy investment from godly people in her life to help her be the woman of faith that she was. Now, we also see other places in the Bible. Deuteronomy 29, and I'm not going to read these verses, but if you want to on your own, uh, verses 10 to 12. It's the first time that Moses spoke to Israel. And Moses not only had men, elders, officials, and wives, but also children. The children were to be brought in to know of this hope of entering the covenant with God. Nehemiah chapter 8 is another example. Verses 2 and 3, you can read them on your own. Ezra read aloud the book of the law for the entire community who was able to understand Now, in chapter 8, we can assume that this also included children and younger people. But by chapter 12, we see that children also rejoice. And I'm actually going to read this one. So this is chapter 12, verse 43. It says, And on that day, they offered great sacrifices, rejoicing because God had given them great joy. The women and children also rejoiced. The sound of rejoicing in Jerusalem could be heard far away. You see, in just these two examples, we see the importance to include and walk alongside our younger generation. We, as the church, have often become too comfortable allowing society to raise our kids. Whether it's schooling, public schooling, TikTok, TV, while often failing to teach and walk with our next generation From a spiritual sense. Now, while I was studying for this, I realized that one in five teens don't have an adult that they can trust. That was from the year 2021. Now, I'd imagine even less teens have a strong Christian adult that they can trust for spiritual matters. Because of that, we leave the next generation to their own devices. Or the culture's devices. And then we wonder why the next generation is walking away from Christianity. So I have a chart that I'm going to show you. It should be on the screen. So the world is a much different place. 1972, 90% of Americans would say that they were Christian. By 2020, it was 64%. Now, mind you, I think I shared this in one of my previous sermons. In 2020, church attendance had dropped under 50%. So we're seeing a decline in people that are resonating with Christ. Now, whether that's the culture, immigration, I'll let you be the decider of that. But there's a lot of lost sheep out there, which presents us an opportunity But as you're seeing, the next generation is becoming less and less Christian. I want to be clear, our goal is not to get younger people involved in a religion. But it is to get them walking in a relationship with our Savior. But for them to do that, it's much more than showing them just the religious law. Because our culture tells us what's right and wrong, whether they're right or wrong. It's about showing them the nature and love of Jesus. So my next question for you is, how am I showing the nature and love of Jesus to those around me? Do people see that in your life? We need Jesus to our next generation as much as our own generation. We need to show Christ's love the way Christ shows it. By leaving the 99 and going after the 1. Showing we love the 1 just as much as the 99. You see, we're not only to instruct the next generation and tell them what to do. We're supposed to show them the same care and compassion that Jesus shows us. How is anyone supposed to know Jesus if you just tell them what to do? I'm going to look at verse 11. If you're following in the Pew Bibles or ESV, there's actually no verse 11. It skips. It goes from 10 to 12. That's because um, many of the, the other translations actually take verse 11 out of Luke chapter 9, or 19, verse 10. It says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. So you're seeing some parallels here. And for many young people, younger people, they're having a hard time discerning what's true. There's so many facts that are thrown at them on a daily basis, right? That even, it trips up many adults. We have a hard time knowing what's true. But I'll tell you this, teenagers know what's real. They know what's real and what's fake. Do you show them that same real love? The same real love that I hope and pray that Christ has shown you. Or is it the surface level? Is it the, how are you doing? It's cold outside, why are you wearing shorts? Are you getting good grades? I won't see you till next Sunday, so I hope everything goes well this week. Sometimes all it takes is that little extra effort, a text, maybe taking someone out for lunch after church, I'll be honest, there's times that I find really young kids exhausting. Not, not teenagers, I enjoy them. But it's, it's the really young kids. But I still want them to know the love of Christ. So I do VBS every year. Do those around you, those at church, those in your family, know what's real? And know that your relationship with Jesus has Changed so much in your life Do they know what it's doing for you Currently Because it's not about What your own goodness is right? It's not your own goodness that fuels you It's Christ's goodness To you That makes you say If God cares about the children I will too Now we've probably all been in church And gone through the motions at some point Right Maybe you're there right now but if you're like me and you've seen Jesus in a real way, in ways that you can't ignore, even if you don't feel his presence as strong as other times, you know that he is very evident even still when he's still quiet. You also might know famous verses like Psalm 34:18, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those crushed in spirit. Now sometimes those going through the roughest times and the hardest times are the ones that you see acting out the most. And yet they're the closest to experiencing God's love. Sometimes they don't even know it. Oftentimes we look at kids misbehaving in church as disobedience or disrespect. But it could be that the heartbreaks of life are hitting them differently at that time. I'll give you some examples that many have faced, even in my time here. Self-image and self-worth, divorce, breakups, loss of a loved one, broken homes, sickness, loneliness, drug addictions and experimentations, abandonment, and so much more. You see, you can't reach the lost if you don't know why they're lost in the first place. I'm going to say that again. You can't reach the lost if you don't know why they're lost in the first place. The way you know if they're lost is to be intentional about being involved in their lives, being involved in each other's lives. We should be showing the same love and the same pursuit that Jesus has shown us so that we can be good disciples of him. Remember, this passage is written to the disciples, the followers of Jesus. Ask yourself these questions. What has allowed people to go astray? Maybe what caused you to go astray? What has challenged your faith at different points in your life? If we allow people just to walk out of our lives as the church, we're no different from the rest of the world. When you, see someone, when you see someone younger, pursue them. Take notice of them. Take time to talk to them. Take time to get to know them. Again, we should see the same pursuit in Christians that we've seen for Christ with us. Verse 13 says, And if he finds it truly, I say to you, he rejoices over it more than over the 99 that never went astray. You see, God seems to care more about the lost one than the one already under his care. Those that are never lost don't see the need for a Savior. Now, you can be a part of that pursuit in helping reach the lost sheep because you were once that lost sheep. You know what it felt like. Or you can miss the opportunity. But if you understand God's love for for us, it should make you want to have a desire to be a part of that. Do you rejoice in the 99 well behaved? Or do you rejoice in the one that feels the need for a Savior? Because at that point, right, when the sheep returns, it's truly the shepherds. They now see the need for a Savior. Go on to verse 14. So it is not the will of my Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. So it's not the will that anyone should be lost. So if you're becoming like Jesus and Jesus is changing you from the inside out, we saw that Jesus was in perfect alignment with what the Father wanted. And because of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, that God has given us, We also should be having the same desires. Our desires should be turning into his. His desire is that no one should be perished. No one should be lost. If having a relationship with God makes that much of a difference to you, not only in your life currently, but also your eternal destination, then you should be attentive to those that you're not even sure have a relationship with God do you see younger people as having worth? Because we're commanded to see each child as having worth. And it's clear that Jesus shares that there is more worth with there are for these children in verse 10. So the second part of verse 10. So after, see that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I tell you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. So this is a, tougher verse, and as I was studying and and digging into the scripture, um, it kind of brought me to Hebrews chapter 1 verse 14, and it says, are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? This is really talking about how God, God sends angels to children. He could, right, when Jesus was on the cross, he could have sent angel armies down to rescue him, but he didn't. If we get to take part in being the means to some of those salvations, why don't we take advantage of it? Not to think any less of someone because they're immature or they're strange or they don't speak like me or they're not in my age bracket or they don't speak like a Christian yet. Now I want to give you a different lens to look through. Not only should we be looking out for those that are younger, but we should be looking out for the spiritual infants. Those young in their walks, and now we can say most children and teens are probably pretty young in their walks, but there are infants in Christ who are adults, recent converts that need guidance, that need wisdom. And sometimes there are Christians that have been Christians for decades. And yet haven't been discipled and likewise are trying to lead their families to Jesus without even knowing how. They've been Christians for decades, but yet they're still spiritual infants. And Paul talks about this, and I could get onto a whole other message about this, but I won't. Every believer should be attentive to those around them. If you're spiritually mature or you feel that you're spiritually mature, do you have someone that you're walking with? Someone that you're mentoring, someone that you're leading, because we are called to lead. Now, it might not be in the capacity of an entire ministry, but maybe it's just one person. How different would the whole church, the global church, look if every believer took one person to mentor? And if you're scared, maybe that's because of a lack of knowledge maybe that's the call for you to reach out and be discipled. If God cares so much about the children, how much more does he care about yourself, your own mentoring, or mentoring the next generation, reaching the children? How much does he care about your own personal growth? You see, because if we act like the world... Teens and children tend to be scared of adults or annoyed by adults and and vice versa, right? The adults and the the older generation tend to be annoyed by teens and children or they're scared of them. But teens and children can remind us of what childlike faith is supposed to be. Thinking about the infinite possibilities of what God can do, where the more mature, mature believers can guide us to experience and wisdom and scripture, and how that plays out in life. See, because we're all called to be children of God. Every single one of us. This chapter has a lot to do with childlike faith. What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? Well, we're called to have childlike faith. Have this idea and this experience that God can do anything. Children also ask questions. They seek knowledge, right? We're always amazed at how much young people absorb information, right? It's much easier for a a child to learn a second language than an older person. Is that your attitude with your spiritual walk? Are you asking questions? Are you seeking knowledge? Are you soaking up the Word of God? Through children, we also see innocence. Right? (coughs) We also see sometimes children are a little bit naive. As an older believer, are you helping guide those younger from pitfalls? Maybe the pitfalls that you walk through. As a younger believer, are you seeking wisdom? And to our disciples which were the ones that this passage was written to, this is the question I'm going to leave you with. Does your care match our shepherd's attitude about the lost sheep? Let's pray. Father, I just, I thank you that even though we were once lost sheep, you give us opportunities. You give us opportunities to love people in a new way, to walk with people in a new way. God, I I thank you that Satan will not prevail against your church. I'm thankful that there is so much hope for eternity through you. I thank you that you are the great shepherd, the one that gets to lead us, and you have pursued us even when we were lost. God, I pray that we can match your love, that we can walk as you walked, and seek to shepherd those under us. I pray that we show the same love and care that you show. I pray that for anyone here that hasn't experienced it, I just pray that they can experience your love and the difference that makes in life, but also the hope for eternity. God, I thank you that you use sinful and imperfect people to lead others to you. God, and I just thank you for your word. I thank you that it offers hope, it offers wisdom and guidance. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen.